Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life, the podcast that will inspire you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build the life that you want to live, the life that you deserve to live. Thought processes, behaviors, practices that you can put into your life actively to begin working yourself towards a better life. Today's episode, if bad habits and limiting beliefs are leading to unhealthy outcomes, emotional pain like depression and anger, perhaps you have uncertainty or anxiety about the future, I want to present to you a three-step process to add to your self-work toolkit. This is not the silver bullet. This is not the be-all, end-all. This supposes that you are ready to start doing some work on yourself. This process will add to the work that you're no doubt already doing. This will invite you to actively take control of your life, to begin to get a handle on your problems actively. Contrast that with passively. If you feel as though you are, in some senses, a passive observer in your life, letting life happen to you, If you find yourself wondering why things have gone a certain way, why they're going a certain way, this can be the beginning to working out of that way of living into one where you are driving your own life forward. So if you're ready to start living that life, a life where you are driving things forward, where you are aware of what is going to happen to you, where you're in control of yourself and your circumstances as much as possible, let's go. All right, so as promised, it is a three-step process. Number one is awareness. And to me, awareness generally, it's it's probably the biggest hurdle when it comes to self-work and, and making a difference in our own life. How can we go from a place of zero to one? You know, a place where we're we're not even aware necessarily of what our problems are, what harm we're causing to ourselves, you know, what harm is our behavior having on our life. But so often it's that unawareness of our negative thought patterns or our bad habits that lead to us to continue to do them sort of on autopilot. But the truth is, when we're living life on autopilot, quite often we come up unhappy and unfulfilled because we're not taking charge of the life that we're given. You know, the truth is for me, anytime I was able to make some strides in self-development to uh, improve upon a bad habit, it was because in some way or another, I became aware of the nature of the problem, aware that the problem existed, aware that it was having negative consequences on my life, and aware of just how deep it ran and the reasons, the reasons behind it. You know, and sometimes it slaps you in the face or it slapped me in the face. I've told the story before, you know, when I had to eventually take the steps to begin quitting my marijuana use. Uh, it was it was a, a single instance where I realized that I'm endangering my own my own personal safety and my own uh, longevity by doing this uh, and being careless and being reckless when I'm under the influence. Sometimes, you know, it takes it's a longer it's a longer term thing, right? When it, when it came to pornography, uh, pornography consumption, that was 15 years of my life that I was partaking in that and you know, I had my parents very early on from day one when they of course caught me because you're not very slick as a 14 year old uh, you know they caught me and they said you can't be doing this this is not going to be good for you in the long run of course I didn't listen and you know some years later I had a girlfriend tell me you know this pornography reduces your attraction to me it reduces your sex drive it does a lot of bad things but as we know, someone can talk in your ear and tell you all the bad things you're doing uh, until you get there yourself um, and get that awareness again of how deep the problem runs. Um, can you begin to make the changes? But uh, awareness, let's say in this case, crept on me uh, through the words of others. 
Now, another more recent example, of course, was I talked about this in the last episode was my decision to stop drinking coffee. And I would say that I really had very little awareness of the effects that caffeine had on my life. And that was until I talked to Jahan Satower, who is a a therapist and uh, someone who's very, very in tune with the way uh, things that we consume affect our, our mindset and our body. And like I say, I had no no concept really of how caffeine affected me, but uh, in a few short minutes, he was able to break down. Then it took me about a year or six months to really see what would it look like to quit uh, drinking coffee, to quit consuming caffeine. And uh, as I said then, I'll say again, uh, that was something that I'm so, so grateful for as it has, I mean, truly improved my life uh, beyond what I could have imagined. And so if you're building an ecosystem of negative thought, right? Like if you have these unhealthy habits that are causing you shame and guilt, if you have perhaps uh, the tendency to procrastinate and you, you feel um, unfulfilled because you're not getting things done, um, whatever that may be, a lot of the time, at least I would say for myself, that negative mindset, that ecosystem of self-deprecating thoughts about pessimism about the future, about shame about the past, um, that comes because and almost like a spiritual reaction, a spiritual, um, truly a spiritual reaction, our, our spirit is hurting in a way because we know that these bad habits we've taken on, these negative thoughts we've taken on come from the fact that we are not actively living our life. We are allowing these patterns to recur on autopilot. And again, it's it's that, that pain on a spiritual level and that recurrence of self-abuse is a result a lot of the time, and it was in my case, was a lack of awareness of what I was doing and what the problem was. So perhaps as was done for me, I can do for you is to simply provide you with the beginning or some additional awareness into your own behavior. Now, I can't tell you if there are things that you're doing that are a problem. I can't tell you if you are abusing yourself. All I can simply do is raise the question and, and hand let's say the mantle to you, hand the microphone to you for your own life and say, are there things in your life that you believe may be a problem? Are there things that are leading to wasted time, wasted money, ruined relationships, um, shame, guilt, messes to clean up, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, on some level, I do have to say, you may not be fully aware of how these things you're doing are truly hurting you, but on an intuitive level, that quiet little voice inside you might be might be the beginning, might be that spark for you to look and, and listen and say, is this a problem? Is this something I need to improve on? Is this something that I need to prevent from just happening automatically in my life and grab it, grab it and look at it and see why am I doing this? So ultimately, it is up to you to cultivate your own awareness. Uh, I just sort of have to tap out there. I've been very lucky that some people have suggested some things to me that I should look to do. Um, I'm trying to put it to you because I don't know you. All I can say is perhaps intuitively there are things that you're doing that you know to be uh, harmful to you, that you know might be preventing you from getting to where you want to be, that make you feel unfulfilled examine those things, become aware of how often you're doing them, why you're doing them. And we're going to get into this in the second step. Ultimately, it will be up to you to cultivate that awareness. But let's say the first step is to get out of autopilot, you know, get out of that subconscious programming and think about what it is that you're doing minute to minute, day to day, week to week, year to year. Simply put, you can't fix what you can't see, but you can't see what you refuse to look at. You know, the foundation of this show is mine and your courage to look at our lives, to be willing to look at life, to not shy away 
from the shadow, from the things that we know are wrong, the things that we're doing that are hurting ourselves, the things where we are not bringing our best to bear on the world. This process is the beginning for you to actively take a hold of your life, steer it where you want to be and continue this journey of becoming. All right. So once you've committed to a mode or a, the task or the job or the journey of observing your life and not obsessing over every little thing, not assuming there's problems, but becoming an active observer in your own life, being willing to look at the things that you're doing and being courageous enough, being willing enough to observe the things that are going on in your life and question why you are doing them. Question if those behaviors, if those thoughts serve you and then decide if you need to continue doing them. Once you've committed to this mode of observation and let's say interrogation of yourself, the next step to now accelerate this will be to start keeping a record. I know I harp on it every other episode. If you need to make a better life for yourself, I don't see a way that that happened for me without journaling. Frankly, I wouldn't be here espousing all this worldly wisdom to you, uh, whatever amount of it I may have. I wouldn't be here doing it without having started journaling about five years ago. So whether you get a notebook, you know, it could be this big, it could be even smaller. I don't think you need to write more than a few hundred words a day about what's going on in your life. You know, one eight and a half by 11 inch page to start. Um, it could be voice notes on your phone. It could be videos on your phone that you're going to go back and watch that you're going to keep um, organized and you're going to keep going back to. You could be writing on sticky notes and, and posting them on your wall. Whatever record keeping looks like for you, again, it's, it's, a, it's a step of courage. It's a step of saying, I'm going to commit to keeping a record of my becoming. You're not necessarily going to hand it off to your kids when you're gone, unless you want to. You're not going to show it to your parents or your partner or me. This is a discussion that you begin with yourself. And I don't want to go too deep into what I've done it numerous times in this episode. You could, you could find a bunch of episodes that deal with journaling, uh, but let's suffice it to say you need to track some very important metrics, sleep, how much and what quality are you getting? How much are you eating? What are you eating? Are you drinking enough water? What other things are you consuming? Drugs, alcohol, when are you having sex? When are you spending the night alone? Um, you need to start building what I would call a biometric portrait of yourself. You know, what is your body doing, right? And then beyond that, you need to also spend some time writing what you thought about whatever you thought, right? Um, how was your mood? How did you react when you were given a certain piece of news? How did you present yourself at work today? What conversations did you have? And then also round that out by what you were doing. It's very important to keep track of what you thought what you were doing and what you were consuming. Now this essentially does two things. It deepens that awareness and admission. Like by that, I mean, when you're forced to simply write down and reckon with what you've done during the day, when you have to sit down and reckon with what you did that day, it will, it will immediately force a deeper awareness into what you are doing uh, in the long term with your life. It's like, boy, every day I start the my journal entry by saying I didn't sleep very well. But now you have a deep awareness of it or a deeper awareness of it. And you can start to say, well, maybe I need to address the quality of my sleep. Or it's like every day I'm writing, you know, went to bed angry after a poor discussion with my spouse. Okay. All right. It's one thing to sort of know that it's happening, but to, to reckon with the fact that it's happening every day or every other day or once a week, that 
immediately is going to bring awareness to the problem. And as we were saying before, you need to be aware, you need to see the problem for what it is to be able to fix it. And again, you've now taken that courageous step to look, right? You're not shying away from the the dark and the dirty parts of your life. You're looking and now you're ready to start getting to work on those things. The second thing that record keeping or journaling will do is it allows you to spot triggers, right? Uh, If it's a bad habit specifically that you're looking to break, you can start to see, okay, I partook in gambling, overeating, drinking, marijuana, pornography, TikTok scrolling until four in the morning. I did that on all the days or or the day after I was doing this, not sleeping well, not drinking enough water, uh, you know, ignoring my friends, not, not having a social life. It supposes that you're willing to really, really look and really do the work. But I have to believe that if you want a better life, this is work that you're willing to do. It's like, man, I overate. I ate like 2000 excess calories today, probably. But look at this. I didn't drink, (laughs) I didn't drink any water in the morning. So perhaps I was confusing my thirst, my dehydration for hunger. And I just, you know, I had a moment of weakness and I, overdid it. Whatever that looks like. I was bored, unfulfilled. Like I've got nothing going on. You know, I used to have a real exciting job that it's, it's, it's gone from my life. And so I'm looking for that rush. And so ugh, I'm on the gambling website again. Again, I think intuitively you probably know what these triggers are, but once you see them once every day, you're forced to write down, Oh my God, I gave into pornography consumption again, because I'm just, I'm too lazy to, to, to try and meet somebody, to try and even go out with friends and fulfill myself and and feel whole. So I just, I'm getting that cheap rush uh, home alone. There's countless examples I could go on, but I think you get the point that when you're forced to reckon with what you do every day, and when you're forced to look at why you do those things, I think you're you're, you're now well on your way to getting a handle uh, on those issues and improving your health and improving uh, the quality of your life, which I assume is why you're here. (laughs) So the more open you are with yourself, the more curious you are about yourself, the more sort of meticulously detailed you're willing to be about what you're doing, thinking, and consuming, the the faster your self-improvement train will go. At least that's the case with myself. And here's the regular caveat where I say, I know I'm talking to you, but in some senses, I'm also talking to myself. You don't have to do any of this, but you're here and you're listening. I hope that you'll put some of this to use in your life and let me know if it is truly of any use. The amount of work that you do in this process of awareness and of record keeping and of the third step we're about to get to, the amount of work you're willing to do here is almost 100% efficiently translated to a proportional growth in yourself, right? It's like, There's always efficiencies lost in whatever we do, any job we do, any task we do. I I would put it to you that this process is almost 100% efficient. As much as you're willing to monitor yourself, to become aware, to, to just courageously look at your life and see where things are going wrong, it translates to an equal amount of growth and payback. This pays out maybe even 200%. You're willing to do a little bit of work on yourself, the results will explode and go parabolic or your money back. (laughs) All right, the third step in this three-step process is to now apply the idea or the concept of mindfulness to your life. I know I've spoken about mindfulness a fair bit on this show. It's been a while since I have and it's kind of a buzzword. It's a big word that means a lot of things to a lot of people. To me, 
it means the following, and I'm going to use this definition to round out this process. It means thinking and acting in unison. It means focusing on the task at hand. And it means practicing self-control as often as possible. I'm not sure anybody could be 100% mindful. There are times when our mind drifts away. There are times when we need to multitask. There are times when we need to uh, be thinking about the past, be thinking about the future. So mindfulness is something that we can apply to our life as often as possible. We can control ourselves as often as we possibly can to get the results that we want. Okay, so you've courageously taken this first step of looking at your life, not being afraid to see what you're up to. And now you've also taken the second step to begin to have that discussion with yourself, right? You're watching your actions, you're watching your thoughts, and you're um, you're ready to improve upon those actions, improve upon those thoughts, because you can now anticipate, right? You've seen what's triggering you. You've seen the trends. You've seen the things that you know need to be improved upon. You're coming to understand the root causes of those behaviors and those thoughts. Keep it up. First of all, keep it up. If you've come this far, keep it up. You're watching. You're thinking about what's going to happen. You're now becoming mindfully present in your life, right? You're ready to control yourself when the moment comes. You're ready to focus on what it is you're doing when you're doing it. And you're thinking about the things that you need to do and you're doing them. There's no what ifs. And of course, there will always be what ifs. But we're getting to a place of efficiency where my thoughts and my actions are more and more in unison. You know, so often bad habits and negative thinking, those repetitive things that we do that cause harm to ourselves, we do them out of boredom, out of loneliness, out of physical pain. Uh, You know, that physical pain that we could otherwise soothe, um, emotional pain from unrequited or or unprocessed trauma so much of what we do it's the the reasoning is on a subconscious level and i'm not a scientist i'm not a psychologist but i can tell you from personal personal experience that those bad habits those negative thoughts those ways that we hurt ourselves are attempts at self-soothing are ways of attempting to solve the problem, but we need to become consciously aware of those behaviors for what they are. We're doing these things on autopilot. We've The pain is lingering. The pain is forever in some cases. And so I just automatically use marijuana because that's what my friends are out doing. I automatically turn to pornography because I'm lonely, because it's easier than becoming somebody who could go out into the world and meet a, a mate, have dates, build a family. I drink coffee because I don't even know why, you know, there's no real reason for me to drink coffee. And yet on autopilot, because I did it yesterday, I did it last week, I did it last year, I continue to do this. Overeating. This is an episode that's coming down the pipe. I wasn't even aware that I was technically overeating, but again, with a lack of awareness, with a certain amount of pain and suffering in my life, I was using food like a drug, food like a distraction. All of these things that we do, if you've become aware of it as a problem, just know that on some level, it is very likely you trying to soothe a pain that is unrelated or distantly related. So it's the unawareness of that pain. It's the unawareness of those issues and that soothing behavior that leads to the continuation of it. But you now have the answer in your hand. You have that journal. You have that record you've been keeping. Remember those trends and those triggers that we talked about? Once you know that you 
um, overeat because you're dehydrated. Once you know that you use porn because you're lonely. Once you know that you gamble because you're bored. After a few continued relapses and continued failings and lack of mindfulness, right? Where you're thinking one thing and doing another. You're thinking you're bored. You're thinking that you could use some fulfillment. So you go to gambling. Okay, there's a disconnect there. You Now that you're aware of that, you do that a few more times, soon you'll be able to anticipate the trigger. It's like, oh man, Friday night, I don't have to worry about work tomorrow. You know, obviously I don't have the, the friends or the social life that I'd like to have. Friday night is a prime night for me to fall into a spiral of pornography and online gambling. I have to stop. I have to do something. Is there a is there somebody I can call? Is there a meeting I can go to? Is there a is there an is there an online community I can chat with instead of the gambling room? It supposes a certain amount of awareness and discipline in you to do this, but through that record keeping and through that calm, centered mindfulness, can you say, okay, I need to think and act in unison. I don't want to gamble tonight. What can I do instead? And why would I want to gamble tonight? I need to focus on the task at hand and say, I don't want to get into gambling tonight. I don't want to go onto the pornography websites tonight. So if I'm thinking that, why would I do that? Why would my thoughts and actions be misaligned like that? And again, it's one thing to have the thought. It's one thing to mindfully come to the moment and say, oh, I'm thinking about pornography. Look, I don't know about you. For some reason, when I was into the pornography, I would always do it after I ate. And I, I later realized, well, after I ate, I'd really tense up my gut and my pelvic floor. Like probably the wrong thing to do when you're trying to digest. And that would lead to a tension in the lower and middle part of my body. Pornography then was a soothing of the pain and tension down there. Completely, in some ways, unrelated. And yet, there I was. Without realizing it, ah, I'll have my little after-dinner mint, let's say. Look, it took years to realize that. And this process for you will may take years as well to fully get your hands around a bad habit. But suffice it to say... Come to a mindful moment as often as you can when you are ready to anticipate those triggers. Come to a place where you're focusing on what you're actually doing, not thinking about what you want to do. Come to a place where your actions and your thoughts align. I don't want to do this. I need to work on resisting right now. And I need to practice that self-control. Look, this whole episode began with the question that you want to be in control of your life. So when there's things that happen that force you to lose control, those are the moments where you have to dig in and practice the self-control. And look, I didn't quit pornography or marijuana or overeating or coffee in one shot. There was relapses every time on every one of those. But the relapses became fewer and farther between and they became less intense. I think that that is probably the way to look at it for yourself. So lastly, I'll just say, uh, if it's less of a bad habit problem and more of a problem of, let's say, negative thought, you know, self-deprecating thought, self-loathing, uh, you don't see yourself as someone that you even like, you don't see yourself as being worthy of living a better life, but you're here and you're listening still, take on this task, okay? Tell me that when you're doing that hard work on yourself and you're actually starting to see improvements in your life, tell me that that doesn't develop a little bit of pride and self-love that doesn't make you feel worthy of being out in the world amongst other people because you're someone who's now doing the hardest work imaginable it's the work on the self so there you have it 
a three-step process where you can start to actively take control of your problems and your bad habits and your negative thoughts. Observe what's going on. Become aware of what it is that you're doing. Keep a record of those things that you're doing. Look to spot trends and triggers. <laughs> Keep track of what you're thinking, what you're doing, and what you're consuming. And once you have a, a good-sized record of your life, then you can begin to apply mindfulness to your life. Think, or at least seek, to think and act in unison. Seek to practice self-control in the moment and focus on the task at hand. Come, I, I can't believe I'm saying this kind of stuff, but like come to the center, right? Your desires and your actions are pulling you apart. Unite them. You don't want to let this bad habit take over. You don't want to let those negative thoughts take over. So there's your invitation right there to practice self-control, to practice self-discipline. Give yourself grace, it will take time. But I know it's possible. I've done it numerous times and I'm going to probably do it many more times in my life. And I want to hear about you doing it as well. So please feel free to get in touch on Facebook. And until we speak again, please remember, please remember that better is possible. <laughs>